Hello and welcome to another episode of I'm Thinking of Spoiling Things with myself, Stephen, and as always, my co-host, Vaughn. Hey, how you doing? It's been a while. It has been a while. Well, you know, the Christmas break, a whole new year happened, whole fantastic point of view, etc., etc. Um, and we're here to talk about one of the films that just hit at the end of last year. Um, I'm calling so it a 2022 film because it did, the wide release wasn't until this yeah. year. Yeah, because um, it was in cinemas for a couple of weeks and now it hit on Apple TV Yeah, yesterday, which is where I watched it. Did yes. you watch it in the cinema? I did see it in the theaters. I'm glad I did. It looked very nice. Yeah, it, 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 we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes and no. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I saw it on TV at home um, via Apple TV, which is you know nice that that subscription service occasionally gets something worth <laughs> Um But in general, no, it does not. Um, you know, this and Coda, there you go, two films of note in the space of 12 months. <laughs> that is um, a, not a lot. So yeah, this being um, The Tragedy of Macbeth, not Macbeth, not Roman Polanski's Macbeth, not um, Throne of Blood, not Justin Curzel's Macbeth, um, not Bellatar's Macbeth, which I'm yet to see but want to. I tried to watch Bellatar's Macbeth yesterday, but the only version I could find did not have subtitles. My Hungarian is not quite there yet. <laughs> might, need, um, might need a little practice before you can yeah, watch that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, the Bellatar Macbeth is, interestingly, the Bellatar is an, an hour-long movie, which like, I didn't know he could do an hour-long movie, um, but is Macbeth in two takes. So it's just two very long, um, just Bellatar doing his Bellatar thing. Yeah, so when, you, when you brought that up, I hadn't heard of his version of Macbeth, but I looked at it quickly and just saw that it was done in two takes, which I thought was an interesting mm -hmm. approach to something like that. Yeah, um, which I think makes, I mean, it being theatrical, I mean, argu arguably, here's my galaxy brain take, I'd say arguably every other version of Macbeth is only one take. I mean, that's, yeah, that's fair. Think about it. Yeah. It's fair, isn't it? Stage. It's, it's very true. There you go. <laughs> so we're talking about um, Joel Cohen's um, The Tragedy of Macbeth. So as always, let's give ourselves a bit of grounding. Let's start with our Cohen grounding. Um, obviously, this is the first Joel Cohen solo film. Yeah, so I'm interested, um, do you, I actually, I should have done some research on this. Do you know why it was just Joel or do you yes. know it is? Okay, go for yes, it. Yes, I do. I read an interview. Um, so basically when they were filming Buster Scruggs, um, it became clear that um, Ethan wanted to step away from filmmaking for a while, which is absolutely fair. And Joel has said that um, he wanted to do this because he knew that Ethan was not interested in doing this, um, that gotcha. they would not have done this together. Um, Ethan had actively okay. no interest in doing a Macbeth, but he wanted to. The, the genesis of this is Frances McDormand, who is the wife of Joel Cohen um, and is Lady Macbeth in this. I mean, occasionally when they deign to put her on screen. Um, she was going to be in a theatrical production of Macbeth and she wanted Joel to... Um, direct the theatre production and he couldn't okay. or didn't want to I forget the exact thing he didn't I forget if it's because he didn't want to or if he couldn't do right. it um but that placed the idea of Macbeth into his mind and therefore when he was going to branch out on his own he was like ah here's a thing I could do want to do and I do believe the version went ahead with Franz McDormand playing Lady Macbeth on the stage so I think that's oh, okay. the lineage there as well again I could be wrong um but that's that's our link in there so she familiar with the role he German idea to do it first film without because he doesn't want to make movies right. anymore so bam here we go what would he not do what's gonna make me different and it's not a cohen feeling film it's not a cohen-esque yeah movie. definitely very different than their normal catalog um <laughs> which i'm one scene which i'd say is the best scene in the movie <laughs> okay i'm interested to to hear your thoughts on that then um 
But as far as my wider experience with the Coens, I would yeah. say I'm not at 100% yet. I've got a lot of their really early stuff to get through. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to hopefully getting through it uh, this year. But yeah, I, I like all of their movies. I don't think there's any that I don't like. I've seen most of their Have you their seen newer stuff. Lady Killers? I have not. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the, that's the not, not 100% yet. I have not. Yeah. Um, I quite like Intolerable Cruelty, but it is uh, not, a, not a great movie. Um, yeah, I've seen every cover of this film um, and some of their shorts as well, um, or just like little pieces they've done. I think they did that that lovely little film with, I think, is it Josh Brolin going to buy a cinema ticket um, for <laughs> La Règle de Jeu? Um, <laughs> I have not seen that either. <laughs> it's really funny. It's like, I forget what the two movies are, and he goes to, to ask if he wants to, it's, it, it's some modern release that's like very, very popular, or La Règle de Jeu is like, um, and he asks to go see which one. And then he, he he comes out of it and is like cowboy voice is like yeah was a very resonant very impactful. It's just, it's so they basically so they made a a short about your experience with the guy that went to get the raw ticket is what you're saying. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's exactly. <laughs> um, it's yeah, it's it's about it might you, I might even be getting the actor wrong to be fair, but it is very much the joke is that it's someone who would not expect to be watching resonant international cinema. And it's it's the he's like I really enjoyed it. I felt I think he goes because a lot of truth in there. A lot of truth. <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> I'll have to, to find that after we. Uh, oh, I recording. know the other. The other film is a um, Ceylan movie. Um, the guy that did Winter Sleep and Once Upon a Time in Anatolia. It's an early film of his. Couldn't tell you. Which I have seen, but I forget the name of it. There you go. Another That's, another yeah, director I'd like to get into and have not yet. Good, good, um, good director. Um, so yeah, um, I love the Coens. Um, yeah, me as well. This, this is not a Cohen feeling movie, as we've established. Um, what's your Shakespeare kind of like backbone before your Macbeth backbone? <laughs> uh, very unfamiliar, not unfamiliar. Yeah. Um, completely, but like I, you know, studied it in high school because everyone does. Um, so little, that, yeah. Right. Because that's, and that's about it. I haven't like, I didn't do any Shakespeare in college. I didn't, mm. haven't really like pursued it past that. Um, so I think that probably helps contribute to enjoying this because obviously you have a very different experience with Shakespeare, but me not having really touched it in many years um, was just kind of, it was nice to, and it was nice to have a different perspective because obviously in high school, I did not really care about learning Shakespeare, but um, it was nice to go back to it with a more open mind. Yeah. Yeah, so for full disclosure, so I am a, in my spare time, an English literature teacher. Um, so um, I have taught Macbeth um, for seven years, um, every year for those seven years. It is a prescribed text, one of the most taught texts, and I teach it at what's a thing called GCSE in England. So that's the last high school exam that everybody has to take. Um, so you could leave school at the age of 16. Um, and that's, so those are the the exams you take before you could technically leave school. Um, so I teach Macbeth at that level among other texts and I've taught it every year for seven years. So I I think it's safe to say I know the play quite well, <laughs> um, have to know the play quite well. Um, and I love it. Um, I really enjoy teaching Macbeth. It is one of my favorite Shakespeare plays. It's not my favorite Shakespeare play. Um, that would be either Hamlet, Lear or Othello um, will be my top what? three. Um, but Macbeth right. is certainly up there. I think it is really wonderful. And I, it is a text that has grown with me as I've taught it. I right. studied at school and thought it was okay. And the more and more I teach it, the more and more I, I keep finding things in it because the language is so rich and so beautiful. And because it's just hardcore, it, it is a hardcore, <laughs> really fun, right. 
play. And you know what? You wouldn't get that from watching this movie. And I'm really annoyed about that. Um, when I think of Macbeth, I think of passion. I think of ferocity. I think of this, the scope in which it's a nation hangs in the balance. Right. And this is a cold... I'm, I'm writing a review of it at the moment, not for the website, but but, but personally, because um, Graham's going to review it for the site because he wrote one of our um, our favourite pieces on the site, which is um, different versions of Cinematic Macbeth. So you've got the Orson Welles one, I think, which I don't think I've seen. Um, the Polanski, which again, Polanski, a monster, but that version have seen. And then the, um, uh, obviously, Akira Kurosawa's from Blood, which I presume both of us have seen. I haven't. I'm very, I am unfortunately not super oh, familiar oh, with oh, Kurosawa. Oh. <laughs> I've got a lot oh. to watch, you know? Yeah, I've, well, I've seen every Kurosawa movie, including <laughs> his documentary about a horse. Um, uh, yeah, Thunderblood is one of my favorite movies. It's just utterly incredible. Um, but anyway, I, I, I digress from some point I was making ages ago. <laughs> um, but so in, in the review I was writing, the, the first point I'm making is this movie to me feels like Joe Cohen has made an adaption of what people think Shakespeare is. This sense okay. of it's very arty, it's very cold. Um, it's, it's, I think a line I've put here is, it is arch to stroke your chin to. It is, it is a film that makes you want to go like, hmm. Whereas when I think of Macbeth, I think of ferocity. I think of the many great dick jokes that span the play. I think of, it is a descent into hell, into madness. Right. And that is not this film at all. And, and that is fine for most people. Most people are like, this is a beautiful piece of cinema that they will really appreciate. I just can't because this is not Macbeth. He's not adapted Macbeth. I'm like, you've applied your weird kind of um, Theodore Dreyer style to the wrong Shakespeare play. This isn't the one. So do you, in your opinion, do you think this mm. style and the look of it and the way that it's presented would work better with a different Shakespeare play? You just... Is it just like the choice of Macbeth? I, I think or is so. it just generally Shakespeare I, doesn't work in this style? I'm not sure it does in general, unless you went way more impressionistic with it. I think it's, 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 it, it, it skirts the line between expressionism and realism. So you've got these repeating looping sets that come mm -hmm. back. You've got scenes that take place in places that aren't supposed to be real places. Um, right. So places are clearly the same locations, but you're supposed to suspend belief and go, this is somewhere else. And like the, geogra the geography mm -hmm. of the play does not make physical sense. Um, but it doesn't fully commit to that. It's, it, at no point does it embrace surreality. Actually, there was one scene in the film, which is sincerely the best scene in the film, not the joke I made earlier, though I do like one scene later a lot, um, which is the murder of King Duncan. Spoilers for Macbeth, I guess. Um, so the murder of King Duncan is obviously the first and most important moment in the play. Um, and what they do in this film is they treat the scene in a way you could not do in the theatre, and they, they add something to it. So... Um, the thudding footsteps of Macbeth when he leaves after having killed Duncan are so important in the play. And he right. speaks about it if he feels that they've all prayed to his whereabouts is the line that, that my foot fell will give me away. No one can hear him, but he feels he can be heard. And one of the most enduring motifs in the play is, is blood. Like it comes up again in line after line. Um, they actually, I think, I think they get rid of the wading through bloodline, which is weird, which is kind of like the best line from the play, but I don't remember it being in the film. Maybe that's my mistake. Uh, I don't remember it, but I mean, it's hard I am to... Steeped in not not so having far, taught which... it for seven years, <laughs> it's hard to remember all the lines. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we, that's the problem. If I do, like, I, <laughs> the, the issue of the English exam, which is awful, the English GCSE is a horrible exam, but it's a closed text exam, which means the students don't have the text with them when they do the exam. Um, 
which is rough. That does and seem the difficult. <laughs> could be on anything about Macbeth. Right. Um, so we need to drill them with this text. So it's so much learning of quotations. So my head is just so full with like exactly <laughs> where and what. And I'm like, right. that's not that line. That's that person doesn't say that. Why is Ross the main character in this movie? He's barely in the play, but okay, fair enough. Um, but they do this wonderful thing when he's walking back, and the blood, which is the perennial symbol of guilt in the play. Mm-hmm. Um, for a myriad reasons is dropping off of Duncan's corpse and as it drops it makes the sound of the footfall and that's such a beautifully cinematic moment for me that the theatre could not do right. because blood is guilt in the play and his footsteps are guilt and you found a way in cinema of transmuting this together and there you've actually put symbolism on screen through cinema apart from that I don't think the cinema adds anything I think that okay. the approach is to forefront the language and forefront the imagery of the language, but I don't think the imagery of the film, the cinematic imagery, is in concert with that language. I don't think it really brings much to it outside of a spare few sequences. And there aren't many okay. good literalizations of the language. Like there's a bit towards the beginning, which is one of my favorite bits in the play, when they talk about how Macbeth has just like brutally murdered this dude. And it's such a great line and it falls past so quickly. I'm like, in the play it would, but come on, this is a movie where the guy reveals that. Um, Macbeth unseamed a man from the nave to the chops. That means he stabbed a dude in his belly button and sliced upwards, like right. to his head, and bisected him, like against gravity. That's so abhorrently violent, and that's supposed to be to make you be like, ooh. And you're not going to get that just from the right. line anymore because the language is is archaic, and cinema can add that to it. And the film makes this bizarre choice for me of to focus on the language of Shakespeare, but doesn't add to it. And also it doesn't pick a way of presenting the language. I think Denzel Washington is sublime in this. Absolutely sublime. He's fantastic, yeah. Utterly fantastic. He reminds me, um, this is going to be a very me-talking episode. I apologize so much. Right? I, um, I'm happy to listen to it. <laughs> um, it reminds me of David Tennant's take on Hamlet, which he did. Um, there was a film version of it. I think it was a Royal Shakespeare. It could be National Theatre, forgive me. But his take on Hamlet is fantastic because he has this way of reading Shakespeare's lines like they're just speech. And Denzel does that as well. When he is speaking them, even if you don't understand every word, I mean, I do because right. I've studied it. I wouldn't otherwise. If you don't understand every word, you get it because he knows how to say it. Absolutely. Almost everyone else in the play is reading these lines like I am reading Shakespeare lines and they are like shot four by three, head on. I'm monologuing into the camera in a way that takes the naturalism away from the lines. But then you've got Denzel speaking it like it's just I'm having a conversation. And there is very little interacting moments in this version. It's very much I do a speech. And then someone else does a speech. And someone else does a speech. And it doesn't bring the play to life. It makes the play feel very stagey in a way it wouldn't actually feel on stage because the characters be next to each other. I made a joke about the alternative poster of this movie, which is Macbeth and Lady Macbeth like embracing. And that poster's got more chemistry than this entire movie. I I actually I don't disagree with anything you're saying because I think it's that's very correct. I mean, I think. The movie does seem very not conflicted, really. I think that maybe Denzel is just doing something other than what the movie is actually wanting to present, which mm. works in his favor because he's so good at it. So, um, good at it. but yeah, I think that I can understand from your perspective why it doesn't work as well because it is a very the construction of it all is very, and maybe that's you know kind of the the intent of it is that the construction of it all is very modern and yeah. high contrast and then you've got that archaic language and you know maybe that's the intentional way of presenting it but i can see why that wouldn't work for someone like you who wants to see that 
the whole of it translated to something much more focused on the cinematic side of it being cinema. Because to, to me, because I mean, because I have to teach this play, I have to like talk so much around it. And it goes back to why does so many things exist as they are on stage? And why do soliloquies exist? Now, I, I say keep the soliloquies. So for those who don't know, I presume that you do. So the soliloquies is a, it's a part of early modern theatre and exists still now of when a character um, speaks their mind to the audience. So it is a monologue, which we're, we're expected in the fiction and the diegesis that they're not actually saying this. Right. Because they wouldn't just say this but this is the only way so because the way that theater was set up i mean you've got very sparse like things on the stage people way at the back of it and acting is a lot larger so you can't just like imply it's not cinematic acting so there is this need to go this is what this character thinks um but cinema doesn't need to fall back onto those as much right and i do i do like the soliloquies because they are beautiful but the thing that i always come back to is the imagery of Shakespeare's language is there because you can't do things theatrically. It's there in place of things. And when you can do those things... Just do them. Just do those right. things. Like, you can you can transfer more. Or you can do both at the same time, which actually, weirdly, the play, the film I say does it very, very well, is Baz, uh, Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet, um, which I do actually think is a great movie. <laughs> because it, it, the, the language flows in that so well. And the action matches the lines. Baz Luhrmann does this wonderful thing of he makes what the character is doing match the lines so you know what it means. So when they're pulling out a gun, they're saying, like, this is my sword. You're like, oh, that means that because they're doing that. Right. And this is just like, characters are going to stand and they're going to say some imagery at you. But the imagery doesn't have the power because it's mostly not delivered very well. Sorry, actors, you're not doing a great job. It's like you don't really understand what you're saying. And the imagery isn't supplanted with actual cinematic imagery it's just like here's this holy text of shakespeare i'm like Macbeth's not a holy text Macbeth is Macbeth is fun Macbeth was ridiculous people forget that when shakespeare put these plays out and he didn't really he wrote them and they were put out right this was populist entertainment like one of the key yeah. appeals of shakespeare plays was people loved violence they were doing like <laughs> right. public executions or cockfights and this was a way of like blood spurting on thing and polanski is a horrendous human being but at least his version gives you some blood and like gives you some like spectacle that this just lacks for me like again i'm speaking with you long i'm very very sorry <laughs> no but... i i mean i'm in, it's interesting perspective and it's good to have for for this specifically because i can understand the the thought is that you know it's was created to be for the masses this entertainment for the masses mm. and then to then elevate it above that into something that's definitely for a niche audience yeah. feels counterproductive so therefore, do it in a. I would. I think Jonathan Glazer would be the best pick for the I would love to see that, that. I want because that's where this film is at its best when it gets. I think that scene of Malcolm's murder works because it does that like interlacing of imagery and gets a bit surreal in a way that this is what I want. This film should be a descent into hell. There's so like the semantic field of the play changes linguistically. So all of the language towards the end is about hell, hellhound, like his his servant's called satan it's spelled differently <laughs> but you don't see that on the stage obviously he's shouting satan at people and people are talking about how he's a tyrant and blistering and blah, blah blah and i didn't get that here i also feel that they don't really get the arc of Macbeth right because they're so focused on it being a quite claustrophobic thing that you don't get his descent to this is a tyrant that's ruining scotland and that's supposed to be the stake of the play is this is to save the nation and because there are no large sweeping shots of the nation, because no nation right. exists in this play, there's a bit 
well, you wouldn't know this from the goddamn film, where they go to England to help save Scotland um, because Malcolm has fled to England. And this only exists in the play because the play was written at the time of the English and Scottish crowns come together. So it's a bit of nationalism. It's propaganda to say, look, yeah, this was a good idea. Um, so they go there and it's in the royal court and then they get the English army to come up. That takes place as they're walking for a wood. <laughs> it does. And I, I agree. Yeah, it doesn't separate for them to then say, we're in England now and this is a different location. And then it also makes that that very same forest, there's a moment where it sort of blends <laughs> that with the castle and the landscape and it all just comes together. And, you know, to trying to separate them while intentionally shoving them together at the same time cinematically feels, again, a little counterproductive. You don't get that distinction. Lady Macbeth is done rough again, like not as badly as she's done in the Curzel version, if you've seen that. Like, um, she is barely in that. She's in this a bit more, but is, uh, f- f- in the first act first two acts of Macbeth um I mean theatrical acts as a five-act play right. not cinematic acts um the first two acts of the play Lady Macbeth should be scary should be intimidating you should get this sense that Macbeth is a pawn that's been manipulated I never got that in this at all she's just kind of there and Francis McDormand is okay and when it gets to her major scene at the end when it's her downfall it's just like oh these lines are but she's out in a courtyard for no reason what's she doing out in a courtyard <laughs> like that really annoys me because she's supposed to be in her bedchamber and it's a great point of the play where she's in her bedchamber and her chambermaid can see her mm-hmm. and that she is spouting sedition like she's admitted to having killed the king and it's a really clever point of the play because the chambermaid's like i've seen this and i've just seen transgression and i can't say that she's done that because i'm a chambermaid and if i say that right. she said that then i'm going to get killed so she has to get a male doctor to come in to see it for himself and that's the like the using the private space and public space. She's just yelling in the courtyard. That's true. She is. <laughs> like everyone knows. Like, <laughs> like what? I mean, yeah, it's just it's interesting. I, I appreciate all the all the perspective because it's stuff that I hadn't thought about not having read or really thought mm-hmm. about Macbeth in such a long time. Like, you know, you just for me, I just took it at face value and I was like, yeah, I'm enjoying this. You know, it, it's just a good movie but you know to have that perspective of what the per- actual purpose was in the original script it's it's hard to uh hard to argue with much of that which so my favorite scene of the play well, i have two favorite scenes um one is kind of ironic my three favorite scenes and actually one one is kept really nicely because like there's this there's this which is it's the english court scene which i think is, is great um they they miss they miss out loads of, of course they do they they bring a three-hour play down to right. an hour and 45 minutes of movies but they, they miss out this wonderful bit where malcolm is trying to trick Macbeth into um mcduff sorry because mcduff comes down to him um to be like we need to go kill Macbeth," and malcolm's like how do i know that you're not a spy um but can't just say that so one of the whole like one of the whole morals of the play is about kingship and that any man can be king but not any man is a king like you could be the right. king but you would never actually be king. King To be the king is a, a divine thing that only certain people can hold. So Macbeth is never actually the king is the point. He wears the crown, but he's not a king um, because he can't be king. So Malcolm talks about how what he would do if he was king, and he's the heir to the throne. And he right. talks about how he would destroy the lands, how he would take all the women and do things with them, et cetera, et cetera. So then Macduff's just like, oh, actually, that sounds worse. Because the whole point is being like, would you accept any right. king? Or just at the right king, and that's such an important scene in the film, gotcha. in, in the play, and it, and it's ditched. But whatever, 
But the bit before that is one of the funniest bits where a guy makes one of the best dark jokes in anything ever, which I doesn't think hits as much as a joke in the film, where um, the guy that knows that Macduff's entire family is being killed, <laughs> it's so funny, <laughs> like goes to see Macduff in this forest. And Macduff's like, how my family doing? He's like, yeah, fine. oh yeah. <laughs> and he goes, are they at peace? And the guy, you can see his mind going, oh, there's a really good punch there because at peace right. also means dead. Yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't. But I shouldn't. And he's like, no, I'm not. You never get this chance. He goes, they were well at peace when I left. And we're like, what a horrible thing to say. I did like that moment. So it gets that joke, and that's fun. Um, The sassy child scene, which I love. That child is not sassy enough. That bit when Macduff's son is supposed to be just like running rings around the mother. Right. Um, And the best, the best line in the play is when. The soldiers that come look at the child and go, "What you egg?" And you don't get that. You get the <laughs> I mean, line, but it's crushed over. It does seem. I can definitely understand again, like that humor doesn't really translate well to the way this movie is presented. So it's hard to like funny focus on that, right? But this movie is so like bleak; it's hard to hard to yeah. make those moments of levity in there. And as they kill the kid, the kid dies hilariously and just gets like thrown out of the building. We're like, okay, well, we're adding that now, apparently. But the kid just goes, Mama, he have killed me. That's funny. <laughs> Keep that. But the secret best scene in the play is the porter scene, which I know in this film, not knowing the porter scene, you were a fan of because an actor you like was in it. That's true. I like Stephen Root a lot. So seeing him. Who was, is he? Was I'm fun. not forgetting actors' names. Who is he? Honestly, off the top of my head to list things. He's just like that. He's just like a great character actor. Okay. Um, he was in No Country. He was in Oh Brother. Uh, okay. Um, well, so Cohen Staple that I should recognize. Yeah. Him. Sorry. Um, so yeah. So that scene is... There are two scenes which make or mar a Macbeth adaptation. It's the Porter scene. It's the Bankrose ghost scene. I think this film does both of them bad. And that's why it's a bad adaptation. Okay. The Bankrose ghost scene is ridiculous because he's chasing a raven around the castle. When the whole point is it's supposed to be him at the banquet, which is symbolic of his kingship, just shouting at an empty chair. And him chasing a raven around. Not for me, thank you. Um, but the Porter scene is just so wonderful because it's one of those Shakespeare scenes where it's this is there for just the crowd. This is there for those that the this is there for the working classes who want to hear some jokes about dicks and beer. Um, and Macduff goes in the castle and you're supposed to Macduff is a square. Like Macduff is a nerd. We don't care about him. He comes in and the porter realizes that and makes like three jokes in a row about erections. Um, <laughs> and it's just loving it. And the whole gag is that Macduff's like I don't quite understand. What are you saying, sir? And it's supposed to be like interplaying right. naive stuff with ridiculous, like overacting. And I'm sure your friend here is good, but he's not overacting enough. <laughs> My friend. <laughs> he's doing some of the hand gestures to like, he is somewhat imitating an erection, but not enough. It's supposed to be like the most like phallic, ridiculous drunken scene. One of my favorite adaptations is, Anthony Sher's not great in it, but it's a National Theatre one. And it starts with just the porter just like pissing against the wall. Like that's the vibe that it should come into. Right. And like him talking about how he's the porter of like Hell's Gate. It should be chaos. This is like a, a nice bumbling old man. No. <laughs> no. I mean, both of those, I, again, I totally see what you mean with both of those, especially the the banquet. I think that even the way that the movie is is put together and shot, I would have probably preferred if he was just, you know, to watch him just shouting at an empty chair. Mm. I think the the impact of that is lost with him 
sort of wandering through the castle, you know? Being his Nicolas Cage, the bees, the bees, <laughs> the bees, as a bird is flying around him, is, is not what I want from Macbeth, I'm sorry. I, fair enough. Yeah, again, I mean, just not knowing it, it's, to me, I just was kind of assuming because my memory of it is so weak, you know, I was just like, that must be how it was, you know, but knowing the that... The scene if... with the old man, though, I know what you're thinking, the scene with the old man, that famous scene from Macbeth, the old man scene, the character that's literally just called Old Man, rules in this movie rules 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 it's the most cohen moment and um, you probably not remember the scene because why <laughs> would you but it's the bit when they leave the castle and they meet that weird old man who comes back in the epilogue for no reason um, which is a, an added player but joe cohen felt the need to add scenes to Macbeth. it's like there are three scenes like we just we're just making stuff up now joe we just we we adding a code to this movie we're adding what the play's ended joe why have we got this like bonus this is this is not frankenstein conquers the world this is not a bonus like octopus ending all right so but the old man scene is the old they go out and this old man basically the, the the whole point is the man is old so therefore we've seen lots of things so if he says it's very very bad that means it's very very bad because he's old old man right and the old man just talked about how nature is turning inside out um i mean you're a bloodborne fan um, i'm a huge bloodborne fan Macbeth should feel like bloodborne like to an extent there's a point half of bloodborne where everything descends into hell where the moon yes. goes red and it goes nasty that should happen after um because they talk about how it's eternal night that is strangling out the sun and how and in the speech he says that the king's horses start to eat each other and his performance is amazing it's the most like cohen like <laughs> crazy wild man being like the horses they're eating each other that bit i'm like yes cohen's making Macbeth movie this <laughs> right and none of the rest of the film is in that register i'm like that register you found your way into shakespeare here you found the weird Cohen character in Macbeth, and they're like, "No, we're making the Seventh Seal." I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> "I did, yeah, I did feel that uh, those similarities a lot." It's um, so I wonder, like, if it would have been obviously Ethan wasn't interested anyway, but I almost wonder if it had been both of them, if it would have mm. been able to spin into that Cohenness more and lean into that as far as making it more of an adaptation of Shakespeare through the Coens rather than just this is a Macbeth adaptation. Well, of course it would because they 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 adapted the Odyssey. Like a brother It's Arthur very true, yeah. Isn't it's an adaptation yeah. of the Odyssey. They've gone before Shakespeare, like they've done classical literature and it's like this is I don't know. This is me being mean, but it feels like he's like I'm going to establish myself as a serious director making an arty film. <laughs> Shakespeare, like yeah, this ain't this ain't a Cohen brothers. There's no bros right. on this. This ain't for the bros. It's for the film bros, maybe. But that's the only bros this is for. <laughs> Which is interesting because you would certainly think that Joel Cohen, of all people in Hollywood, would not need to make a statement film where he's like, look at what I'm capable of. <laughs> <laughs> look at me, Shakespeare. Like, but I guess I can yeah. I can't understand you know working doing it on his own for the first time. Like I have my own you know singular artistic voice that he's trying to get across. Which you need to watch the career. I mean, you know, you need to watch Throne of Blood. And there are plenty yes. of movies that both of us just haven't got around to. We know we need to watch. But why that? And it's, it's such a perfect film. And why it works is because it just goes, you know what? This isn't Macbeth. So therefore, any change works. Right. Because it's like, no, this is about Spiderweb Castle. This is about these shogunates. This is the language is different. Who cares anymore? It's just a plot structure. So all of their cool deviations, like this is an interesting film, as opposed to wait in this. Why is this here? Why is this in a forest? That's not in a forest. So I'm not there the whole time being like, that's not how this scene works. Right. They don't say that. Why is now Ross staring at Lady Macbeth up the stairs? That's not a scene in the movie. What's going on here? 
which is a good thing that you bring up oh brother where art thou because that is a great thing to link it to because that is an adaptation of Mm. old literature and it takes it in a completely different direction it ignores any of the language and just takes the idea of it and puts it in something totally different and it works so well i mean i love that movie Um, one of the best by far it's such a phenomenal film yeah it just i mean it just has fun with it and yeah i can get what you're saying about this movie could do that more and why doesn't it i mean i guess it's just the the approach you take because before I'd seen it, I saw some people and our, our friend Matt included, who who really loves who really loves the movie, making the point that one you coanize the dialogue, and I was there being like, no, but the dialogue's so good. Like I've spent so long right. like annotating this, but I'm like, ah, oh, but the language is so rich and so like fruitful, and like don't. And then I'm like, yeah, but you don't. Sorry, job. I'm not sure you understood it. Like, <laughs> if you're not going to get the most out of it, like right. rewrite it, mate. Like, I'm not getting Shakespeare from it. So do your own play. Right. I mean, at least coanizing it would kind of force you into, I have to now study this each line in depth so that I can turn it into something different, mm-hmm. which maybe, you know, that that's what that needed is because maybe he wasn't looking close enough at what everything, you know, he did. Maybe he didn't study it for seven years in depth and couldn't, I, couldn't translate when I make it correctly. My Macbeth, it's going to rule. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's going to rule so hard. I don't know. Um, it does look very pretty, I admit. So, like, stylistically, it's very, very nice. I just don't think the style of the film is Macbeth. So, okay. It is yeah, I mean, it blindness. does. I think it, I think it looks, there's some just absolutely beautiful mm. shots in there. I think the, it's a movie we've, we've talked quite a bit recently because there's been so many recent movies that do that choice of black and white. Yeah. Um, I think this movie, regardless of whether or not you think it needed to be in that, that style, I think this movie does use it very well. Yes, like, like it's, it's so high contrast. And, right. There's just, it's, it's very, it's used very well, even if it maybe didn't need to be black and white in its existence. Yeah, I, I want my Macbeth to be like murky browns right. reflect with the red of blood. But if you make a black and white Macbeth, this, I mean, you know, Throne of Blood is black and white as well. Like, you know, but that's because it, it was the, the time <laughs> when things were black and white. Um, so, but yeah, so yeah, the, the cinematography is very, very striking. And there are so many scenes I'm like, that looks great. I really love towards the beginning. The lady that plays the witches is great, actually. I like that it's a lady that plays yeah, the witches. Yeah, um, plays I, the witches. Her name, Catherine Hunter. Um, she, yeah, is she is excellent. Phenomenal. I was, I was meaning to ask you what you thought of that uh, performance. Again, that's actually, I lied earlier. So the three ways to judge Macbeth really <laughs> are how it does the witches, how it does um, the porter, and how it does the banquet scene witches nails i've seen so many bad witches witches are almost always done terrible the the curzel witch is like they're children get it i'm like no that's not scary it's like yeah what if they were kids like no thank you um but yeah have you seen the james mcavoy Macbeth? where it's Macbeth, but he's a chef no i have not Don't is that, bad. Is that oh, okay <laughs> i was gonna say it sounds interesting no it's bad <laughs> is that like a is that like an adaptation or just retold oh yeah they were like it was i remember watching them on tv when i was a kid and still was a kid thinking this is bad and then watching it as an adult being like this is bad (laughs) it was just like shakespeare retold we're taking the bard's tales making them an hour long and like this time it's Macbeth, but a modern restaurant it doesn't work chef there's no i don't know if i would be able to buy into like that psychotic descent into hell in a restaurant you know well, speaking of a brother out there, like um, Tim Blake Nelson from that movie um, directed a version of Othello called O, which is Othello, but high school basketball. Okay. Which I think is dreadful. 
I was surprised to hear people like that movie, but no, the stakes of Othello don't work about a basketball team. Yeah, you can't, lowering the stakes to that level doesn't seem, I just wouldn't be able to, to buy it really. It's difficult. You're, you're putting a barrier to entry there that I think it's hard to get over. Like the the whole, I mean, I don't know how well you know Othello, I don't know where you would, but like the whole like jealousy angle is so key to the play. When the jealousy is based around not being named MVP in your basketball game. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Like, that's not worth killing over. I'm not saying the things in Othello are worth killing over, but you at least get it. You're like, this is about like the ranks in the Venetian army. You're like, okay. And about being cut and think. stuff. Oh. Yeah, I don't think I've, I don't think I've ever read Othello. Othello was good. I mean, it's pretty racist, but it's, it's good. <laughs> um, it's, it's a really good one to study because you're going to be like oh Shakespeare right. really thinks he's being very progressive here but he's not at all but he's right. really trying to so it's a really fascinating way to unpick it's great to teach um, but yeah Mac Mac Macbeth just rules the tragedy of Macbeth it's a good movie but it's a bad adaptation it is a good film I yeah I, I mean again having not having the familiarity that you do I had a lot of fun with it I thought it was fantastic to see in theaters on the big screen mm -hmm. just the, the high contrast black and white was so beautiful mm. um and especially denzel i mean you're right his performance is, is just amazing um what did you think of mcdormand genuinely i i liked it at you know just seeing it i mean your point about how denzel just treats it like speech and it's much more naturalistic from him i do see that like thinking back on it like i do think that everyone else is generally more flat and shakespearean about it without making it just so mm. casual um but i still did enjoy every other performance you in the movie ever intimidated or scared by francis mcdormand i will say i was not yeah well, which again is like fine like because maybe the film's not going for that but i'm like this right. is like for me such an iconic role and i'm just in the curzel again like lady Macbeth was so bad like can we just get a good version with a good lady Macbeth for once um annoying maybe, maybe not anytime soon unfortunately yeah yeah, we're not doing that again, I guess. Only, <laughs> only can only have so many Macbeth adaptations coming out. <laughs> yeah, it, One I mean, every is, few years. It is the annoying thing of, so I had was just started teaching Macbeth when the Curzel one came out and I went to see it at the cinema and I've been like, oh man, it's going to be great. I'm like, this is pretty inaccessible for kids. Kids are not going to like this. And also it doesn't do the text properly and is, and is actually, mm, okay. And on this one, I'm just like, yeah, no high school kid's going to want to watch this. So you, you're not helping right. me. You're not helping me, Shakespeare adapters. I'm is having to play versions. Is that the Fassbender one? Yeah. Is that, okay. Very pretty. Um, it's like Ben Wheatley's Macbeth, um, visually. Um, but the, the film itself is okay. Just okay. Yeah. I'll have to. I'm, I'm definitely curious. I definitely. I mean, since we are in the middle of January, I will definitely have to check out. I've got a high and low on my list, but I'll have to check out Throne of Blood now. I'm high definitely and low is good, but it is no Throne of Blood. Throne of Blood is incredible. I would say it is his best of three Shakespeare adaptations. Uh, most will take Ran. Ran is a mate. Ran is another five star terrific movie. I mean, he did three Shakespeare adaptations. They're all for me five star phenomenal movies. Um, Throne of Blood is just the best. So um, Throne of Blood ran, and what's the third one? Uh, the Bad Sleep Well, which is very, very loosely oh. based on Hamlet. Very, like, okay. the most, like, loosely. <laughs> if someone did not tell you afterwards, you'd be like, oh, I okay. guess so, but gotcha. no. <laughs> but yeah, it's, Bad Sleep Well is incredible, though. I'll take all three of those over High and Low. Sorry, High and Low fans. Wow. High and Low is great. But... Um, although I meant to ask you at the, the beginning of the show, it's a little bit past now, but I'm curious what your favorite Coen Brothers movie is. Um, ooh. 
I don't think it's wrong. I perhaps thought it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> is there really a wrong answer? I mean, you can sell me on whatever you say. I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, probably Fargo. Like Fargo, I mean, off the top of my head, it's Fargo, O'Brother, and Big Lebowski are the three that I would go back to. Um, Am I remembering correctly you're not a huge No Country fan? Nope, seen it twice, and I think it is fine both times. Interesting. Like, yeah. It doesn't feel like a Cohen's film to me. It feels very not them. I think, I don't know. I think it's... I would say dialogue-wise, yes. I think it's it separates itself a little bit, but I think thematically it's pretty similar to a lot of their work. Um, I, it's my favorite, I would say. Um, I maybe I, I should again. I've, I've watched it a couple of times, but not since I was at the edge of high school. Right. So it does merit a rewatching. But also, I was bitter because it came out the same year as *Will Be Blood*, and *Will Be Blood* is a much better movie and didn't win the awards. So. That's fair. That is, I, I do like that those those movies are so similar in some ways mm. and very different in other ways. I like both of them a lot, yeah. though. Yeah. So now, now you've got a disappointing Cohen movie in the same year as a disappointing <laughs> Paul Thomas Anderson movie. It's like, you know, it's, it's... well, we'll get to that soon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being mean now. I'm just making enemies in this podcast, just throwing out words that don't even quite mean. This is actually so. Now we've got the first. This is another first that I didn't even think about. This is the first one that I'm. I'm up on this movie. I like it a lot. And you are on the, the lower end of this one. Yeah. Um, it's just not a good adaptation. Like, again, I can't, it's just it's not Macbeth, <laughs> man. Well, like, hashtag right. not my Macbeth. I get it. It's totally fair. Which I bet that hashtag is being used by racists, actually. I probably shouldn't say that because I bet there are a lot of people out there who are tweeting about the cast in this film saying not my Macbeth. So I don't mean it in that way. Oh, you think a lot of people? Well, I, I don't know what the overlap of Shakespeare fans and racists is. I, I have, I, yeah, but, but film bros and racists, the overlap is there. And I have, you're right, you know, that's there, fair. There are a lot of people who have been like, Denzel Washington, he can't be Macbeth. There was someone, that, there was some journalist that tried to explain it based on the age of the characters, if he was being too old. And Denzel Washington pointed at Osman Lapp, being like, yeah, it's also like based in Scotland, like in the Middle Ages. Like, <laughs> we're also not doing that. Like, right. what, what, what do you expect? <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't, I have no problem with any of the those decisions. I think everyone in the cast is great, despite your disagreement there. Yes, Denzel was great, <laughs> and the witch. Right. The witch is great. The witch was great. Catherine Hunter, which very good. Well done. I'm sorry uh, you have a name, and I apologize. <laughs> it's okay. I'm the name guy, even though I did have to look it up anyway because I'd forgotten. Um. All right. I think that's uh, that'll be it for the tragedy, the tragedy of Macbeth. Of Macbeth. Yeah. 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 Which um, thoroughly spoiled. Um, so yeah, uh, that is the tragedy of Macbeth. As always, you can find our writing on thetwingeeks.com. Um, you can find the relaunched podcast, The Twin Geeks, not a cast anymore, just The Twin Geeks to reassert the power of David and Calvin, seeing as they are our overlords, they need to reassert. You know, we're getting plucky upstarts, we're taking them, <laughs> too many shows coming for their gold. Um, so the monopoly of the Twin Geeks are those. So they're going through director filmographies. So if you want to um, hear about Catherine Bigelow at the moment, which I yes. haven't listening to, um, ranking them big or low, as Calvin keeps saying, and I chortle every time, <laughs> um, then you hear about that, which uh, you've seen more Bigelow than I have. Um, they talk about Strange Days, which sounds so good. I, I love Strange Days. That was a, a recommendation from our friend Cormac, and I just, it's fantastic. It's like my favorite mm. kind of just gritty 90s analog tech stuff and it's just totally my thing i mean have you watched existence <laughs> i have not watched existence yet watch existence. okay <laughs> that's well we'll do a swap you watch existence and i'll watch okay. um, strange I mean... days so there's that there's three letters and five mics um which is the actual name of that podcast in your face listeners at home um sorry for <laughs> incompetent there um there's don't let the modern cast get you featuring myself 
Calvin, Matt, not Matt Farley, a different Matt, but it's about Matt Farley, slightly confusing. And Jack, did I say everyone? Did I say Calvin? Uh, probably, you would know better know. than me. You're on the show. Um, yeah, <laughs> the four of us. And we talk about motion movies. Um, so Matt Farley and Charles Roxburgh movies. Um, if you know, you know. And if you don't know them, maybe it's not the podcast for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> but if you know, well, if you don't know, I would recommend know. getting to know them. Mm, mm, yeah you watched river beast recently i did watch river beast recently and it oh. is fantastic and uh such matt recommended good. me local legends for this year oh so it's so good it's just, it's just good yeah there's that and there are other there's like 12 other podcasts like, like <laughs> too many podcasts dd, to DD cast is coming back i believe i've probably missed three others um sorry uh, oh what stacks, have you got? yeah that's a thing stacks yeah what have you got upcoming on the site anything um i wrote a review of the lost daughter which i really, really liked um which will hopefully be up soon but i don't know when i mean there are some new releases that'll be prioritized over that and no that's about it really i've not I've, you know i'm not reviewing Macbeth for us um so i've said all my words of Macbeth now <laughs> <laughs> we'll probably have a glowing you review still you still find website. a way to get your words into the website somewhere yeah exactly i, I didn't review licorice pizza but <laughs> the people will know what i think people will know they have to know everyone everyone has yeah. to know stephen's thoughts it's true i'm sorry <laughs> Oh, Rank of the Monsters, shit. Um, your your other show, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we talk about kaiju movies, it's good. Vaughn was on it once, it was great. Um, we talk about Clifford, and by we, I mean me. Um, apart from that, mostly Godzilla. What's your next episode about? Um, it comes out next week, and it is about Atragon, a movie in which the title refers to nothing in the movie at all. Oh, I'll explain that on okay. the podcast. There is nothing in the movie called Atragon because of a weird translation mishap, and oh, a movie gotcha. called Frankenstein Conquers the World. I'm sad I missed, uh, Calvin watched that with a couple of our friends. I'm sad I missed out. I'm interested in the octopus ending, whatever that means. Yeah. <laughs> Frankenstein does not conquer the world, but does fight an octopus in a version that I didn't see. <laughs> now you got to go back and watch the ending. <laughs> but I, I'm reading my Honda, bi my Honda biography, which is I'm waving at the camera for all of you at home that can't <laughs> see that, um, where they explain the octopus ending and the story behind it, which I go for in the podcast, is something. Um, it's all very right. funny. Um, so listen to that. All right. Sounds good. Uh, you can find us on Letterboxd. I am Zebra, just Zebra, nothing before or after that. And uh, Stephen, nope, that's not an account that exists. Nope. I mean, maybe it is. Um, <laughs> and I am Stephen Edge, Stephen with a PH in the middle and Edge is in A-G-E, the age of Stephen, which I guess we are in. And then for this show, we've got, uh, we're going to do zeros and ones next. Abel Ferrara's zeros and ones with Ethan Hawke. And then and also Ethan upcoming... Hawk. And Ethan Hawke. <laughs> Ethan Hawke, Ethan Hawke, and Ethan Hawke. Mm. Many different roles in one movie. Yeah. Um, and then after that, we'll also be doing an episode of Licorice Pizza featuring our friend Calvin. And we'll do Scream soon as well, because I'm seeing yes. Scream in the Scream. morning. Oh, also Scream. upcoming. Lots to, lots to cover. And we don't mean Scream, we mean Scream. We're not talking about Scream, because Scream came out ages ago, but Scream just came out, so we're going to do a podcast about Scream instead of Scream. But apparently you need to have seen Scream to see Scream, so it's like a reboot, so the same title, but it's also a sequel to Scream. I'm very interested to uh, talk about that one with you. Looking forward to it. I'm excited to watch it tomorrow morning. Um, looks, looks good. I'm excited. I just watched Scream 3 and 4. So I'm ready for Scream. Ready. All right. Well then, until next time, everybody, this has been I'm Thinking of Spoiling Things. And I'm thinking of, and, oh, that's actually, I was about to say I'm thinking of ending things like it was a joke, but that's actually the name of the movie. So it's not a joke. Damn it. I'm just taking away the joke. I'm thinking of ending this podcast. I don't know if I should end the podcast by saying I'm thinking of ending things. Um, so, no. Um, bye. <laughs> Good ending. <laughs> Nailed it.